Fiends and horror hounds, this is Brett from Dimension Z, joined as I am every week by Greg of the Dead. How are you doing, man? Doing good. How are you doing? Um, I don't know. I have a little bit of a headache. Huh? Do you fall asleep and find yourself seeing other things quite a bit? Yeah, my husband slammed my head against a wall because he's the worst person ever. <laughs> when you have nightmares, do you wake up with bleeding pillows quite a bit? Oh, yeah, and it's completely fine, even though I work in the medical field. It's fine. Okay, I was just checking. No reason. Yeah. Um, Real quick, we should throw this out since it's a new release. Uh, spoilers for this entire movie. Don't do a spoiler-free section. Right, yeah, no spoiler-free section, because I would immediately fuck up. But, yeah, it's uh, spoilers from basically the very beginning, even before we said spoilers, I guess. Eh, none of that would count as a spoiler. No. But, um, yeah, this uh, week we are doing Malignant from 2021, written, directed, and produced in some capacity by James Wan. So we have a minimum Edward trifecta. Yeah, I'm happy anytime we get the Edward trifecta, and it makes me happy. It makes me feel like the like person behind it's like, yes, I'm 100% on board with this. Yes, because you know they have faith in this project then. Oh, yeah, because they're putting their name all over it. Yeah. So, this is Malignant, like you said, it's from this year, just a week or two ago when you're listening to this. It was, I was about to say directed by Ed Wood. No, Ed Wood Trifecta, <laughs> which we called, which we call anything that's written, directed, and produced by James Wan. I'm, I'm interested in your take on James Wan, Brett. Do you have an opinion on the guy? Not whatsoever. I know a tiny bit about him. Like, he did Aquaman, right? Yes. And I didn't like, I didn't love or hate Aquaman. I watched it once, went, that was pretty good, and I'll probably never see it again. I was talking about the more in your realm stuff that he's done. Well, like where Saw? He, yeah, he wrote the first Saw movie. Oh, he did the first one? Okay. I was like, That's the only one I, like, mildly like. <laughs> okay, I don't know if he was involved in the others or not, to be honest, and I know he, like, launched that whole Conjuring and Insidious universe, which I... I, unlike Brett, I like the Saw franchise a lot. The Conjuring stuff, the first one was good, and then I never got into it after that. It just seemed like it spiraled out of control. Same with Insidious, where I can take it or leave it. So, I've, he's a very middle-of-the-road-for-me kind of guy, so I was intrigued with what this would be like. I mean, honestly, if I knew, like, his heart, like, if I hardcore knew his background before I watched this, like, the Insidious movies, I've never seen them and have no desire to see them. The Conjuring movies, I saw the first one one time, thought it was, like, mildly okay. Like, my, like, soft score would be, like, four hanging girls out of ten. Well, you can't say that now, because you know eventually we're going to do that well, that's, movie. That's why I'm saying soft score at this moment. Oh, okay. But this movie makes me, like, the one of the biggest James Wan fans, because I'm like, holy shit, he combined, like, B-movies, there's fucking Basket Case, there's, um, like, uh, Italian horror shit with, like, Deep Red, there's, like, brain damage stuff. James Wan has to be a Frank Hennenlotter fan. From what I read in some interviews, he said, 
I saw like an interview with him. He's like, well, I was known for like the torture porn stuff with Saw, and so I figured I'd kind of reinvent myself. I went really into the haunting stuff with like Insidious and Conjuring, and he goes, I wanted to try something new. I can't say it's something new, but it's definitely stuff we've seen before, but in a very different way. Like you can tell, he takes a huge inspiration from a lot of the kind of stuff we talk about. Yeah, he. I can definitely tell that, and you can tell he's a fan of those movies as well, which I hope now he's gotten through his shitty movies. Like, a lot of times it's the opposite way, where, like, George Romero, at the very beginning, was so amazing, and then at the very end of his life, he did, like, two or three of those kind of shitty of the dead movies. Yeah, they still have their merits, if you ask me, though. Well, the only reason they do is because George Romero's name's attached to it, and I will, like, watch anything with his name on it. Yeah. But maybe now James Wan will go into weird, like, tusk, like, brain damage territory. Oh, I hope so. If this is any indication, I think so. And I believe this movie is the start to a franchise, the way they ended it, and just the way they were really given a lot of here's where our killer gets their weapon the first time, here's our killer's backstory. I really feel like they're setting this up to franchise. Oh my, I have to say, I really hope there are sequels to this. I hope this is one of those ones where we're like, in a few years, we're talking about Malignant 8, and we're like, holy shit, can you believe they're in space? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised, I had no idea how you're going to feel about this movie coming into it, because basically, the only things me and you talked about, I'm like, Dude, it gets wild, and you're like, yeah, I went and saw it. And then I tried to not really talk too much else about it, because I knew we were going to do this. Yeah, I tried not to really, because there's a few times I wanted to talk to you about it, because I saw it twice now. A little backstory, like we were talking even, like, usually before we start recording the podcast, we're talking a little bit for like five or ten minutes. This one, I was like, I have a story about this movie, and I want to tell it, but I want to save it. Let me hear the story. This is that. Uh, So I saw this um, last Sunday in theaters. No, last Saturday. Last Saturday was the wedding I had to go to. So from 10 a.m. until like 7 p.m., we were dealing with this wedding because my wife was a bridesmaid. Well, once we finally got to the reception, there is an open bar, which... I've been, like, kind of stressed all day, running around. I'm having to carry all the women's bags because they're all, like, my wife's friends, and I have to be, like, the nice, good husband and carry 50 (laughs) bags to the car while I'm not complaining, you know? Yeah. So it was finally, like, we got to the reception. I had – I wasn't, like, blackout drunk, but I got, you know, a good buzz going on. Yeah. And we finally got to leave, like, after all the stuff. And we were sitting at home, which I, well, not at home, at my um, wife's sister's attic, which I sent you a picture, and I love your comment. You're like, where are you squatting at? Yeah, you were literally in an attic. It was an attic, like an unfinished attic with a mattress on the floor, but at least we had our own room. (laughs) But we got back to that, and we were immediately like, we want to go do something. Well, my wife has a friend who works at a theater, and she got us in. So, it was like 10.30 that night, we finally got to see Malignant. Now, I've been up since super early, and I've been drinking most of the day, even like, now I got home, like, back to the attic, and had a few more beers, just to keep the buzz going, because other than that, I'm just going to fall asleep. 
we get to the movie theater and I'm just like in no mood just to sit there in a movie theater and not be able to like look at my phone or like get up and walk around if I want to. I can like fuck around in my room if I want to like, oh, I'm going to redecorate this or that if I get to a boring scene. Yeah. You're locked in when you're in a theater and it's kind of leading me more towards like, I don't like theaters that much. Okay. I love theaters. Like, I, I like being forced into it. That's my thing. I'll get too distracted at home. Sometimes I like being forced into it. Because I remember when we all went to see Black Widow. That was a lot of fun. But there was also like a good group of us. So we were all talking and having a good time. Not during yeah. the movie. We're not assholes. But this one, it was just me and Liz. And I was like half asleep and like not really paying attention. And this movie does take a little while to like kind of get going. Yeah. So... But I finally then watched it again last night when me and Liz were home. And Liz wanted to watch it, surprisingly. I guess she kind of felt the same as I did. Where it's like, I don't really want to be here, but at least we're not in the attic. Yeah. But um, Well, I'm glad this movie was able to save you a little bit. Yeah, we watched it again last night, and I liked it so much more. Oh, good. So, you want to get into this thing? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I have thoughts on this. Um, it starts out, we get a like time and place card of the Simon Research Hospital in 1993. Yeah, and I love, like, there's this, like, there's, like, it immediately, it's, like, smash cuts to, like, there's action going on. And I love the doctor that comes up, and he's like, oh, my God, he's sucking all the power all out of the instruments. What do we do? Like, he's so overacting. <laughs> Yeah, he definitely is. It also reminds me of, like, those old-school X-Men movies, like the 2000s ones. At right. the beginning, like, oh, there's some strong child in here who they can't control thing. And little we, do we know it's a little, like, Quado puppet. Yeah, it's it's insane. Oh, I can't. I love the creature when we see it. And every, I shouldn't oh, say yeah. creature, but I, yeah, the, uh, Gabriel, when we see young Gabriel reveal, is wild. And even that name, like, Gabriel, it's not even, like... Belial from like Basket Case. Belial is like such a weird fucking name. It fits this creature. It's like its name is Gabriel. That's like a religious name. It's so weird. It's like if its name was like Adam. Well, didn't they say that the the mother who gave up the children was from a super religious household? She was raped. They considered it an abomination. But she still named them originally. So it makes sense with the religious background that the one was named Gabriel. And it's just also, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And it's funny that it just becomes like this malignant tumor thing that kills. Yeah, you know what? This movie put me down the rabbit hole of these things called teratoma tumors. Yeah. And are you aware of these? Oh, they are fucked up looking. Yeah, so they're tumors that are almost like all made out of all other fleshy biomaterials. Like teeth, there can be eyeballs, hair, fingernails. And they're terrifying, and that, everyone's saying that Gabriel's a conjoined twin. I counter with, he's a sentient teratoma tumor. Yeah, like, he's, like, right on the border of, like, conjoined twin and weird tumor thing. He's, like, right at that border, but he's a little bit more tumor, especially towards the end of the movie, for sure. Oh, yeah. So, like, we said, something strong's escaping, and we see the guard grab the trank gun, open the door, and he's about to go in. And he gets his arm through the door, and his arm, he just screams, and his arm's broken, like, bone through the skin and everything. And that's the moment where I'm like, okay, I'm in. 
Oh yeah, and because there's blood squirting and he's like screaming in like that great horror movie like overacting like ah oh my arm's broken scream. Yeah, we also see a bunch of dead nurses here, and so that's our first entries into the Count of the Dead. And oh, I gotta be honest, this is massive on this one. I would say this one. I'm this at the very end. It's just going to be a complete guess. Yeah, I had to rewind and pause and do it over and over again to get this thing accurate. But God damn it, I did my due diligence and I got the proper one. I double checked. This movie really put you through the test. Oh, this was a this was work. This one, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the doctor tranks him, and then what after is tranked. I say him because they're saying him. We don't see who it is or anything like that. Then we hear the radio start talking and like, oh my God, he's talking through the radio and it's just saying kill. The like chubby doctor again is like, he's speaking with radio. Like he's so like over the top. Which I gotta be honest. Okay. I get most of this stuff. So he's a parasitic host who's like feeding off of her nutrients and everything and storing that energy. So he's very strong. I get that. I can buy that. I know it's not medically accurate. Whatever. I know what I'm in for. Why does he talk through the radio and electronics? No reason. <laughs> it's just there. <laughs> yeah, which is another reason why I love this movie. Is I love the movies that just have things happen. And there's no explanation whatsoever. You just have to accept this thing can do this. Of It's like, why can this happen? No reason. Just because. Do you want to hear my counter possibility? Okay. So there's that one scene when they're like talking to her, but like th with him and everything. Like, tell her what she called me when she was younger. And she says, the devil. I bet you if this thing does start going sequeled, they make this thing like a hell spawn that attached to her. I hope not. I hope they stay with this is like a conjoined twin kind of thing. Oh, no, I still think it's that, but I think they're going to, like, tie that into it. And I think that's a possibility they have on the table. I don't, I hope they don't go too supernatural with it. Oh, no, I don't want it to be angels, demons completely, but right. I'm fine with, like, the spawn of Satan coming in as a tumor on somebody. That sounds cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's an interesting way to, like, it's been there since birth, so technically it is still, like, a brother. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into that. The doctor gets the badass line of, it's time we cut out the cancer. And when I say badass, I mean badass and extremely cheesy at the same time, but I love it. And badass as in they push in the camera and the music starts, and they're like, da da da, like, here's the movie. <laughs> you know what? I didn't realize that we didn't get our opening credits yet or anything, and I was like, it was like, oh, dude, I do have such a soft spot for these horror movies that start off with, like, craziness right from the get-go before you even get those openings think about like i always go back to the remake of friday the 13th there's a yeah. 15 minute opening of just this whole group of kids we see get killed and then there's the opening credit like the opening title and someone shouted out in theaters that's just the fucking beginning exactly i'm such a sucker for that i i don't know why but i love it yeah but our time card switches us back to present day and we find our main character, whose name is Madison. She's a pregnant nurse, comes home from work early. Her, I don't know if he's a boyfriend or husband, so I wrote boyfriend slash husband. Oh, I also want to real quick say, it's really weird that now, like, that beginning scene took place in 1993. Yeah, like, it's weird, because I think as we watch so many older movies, that 93 being a flashback is weird. 
Yeah, and I'm like, my fuck you. That is not a flashback. That's when I was fucking born. <laughs> oh, that's when she was too. I guess she's our age. Yeah, well, I think she was a little bit older because I think because at that point, oh yeah, Gabriel, yeah. he's already like. Could you imagine Gabriel that size, but on the like on a baby, where the baby <laughs> grows into Gabriel, like the opposite. It's like Benjamin Button, where like yes. Gabriel's like, Meh! and the baby's just like constantly crying because he's like, what is this thing? <laughs> but so she's home early and her partner is a complete asshole was he oh, yeah. what's he watching like sports or something on tv he's watching ufc okay and she turns off the tv because she's sick and she's gonna lay down and he gets mad about her turning the tv off and shoves her into a wall and what i mean shoves her into a wall one it's never okay no matter how hard don't take me as that but i mean he fucking throws her into it, her head like Breaks through the drywall. Oh, wait, you're not going to Sean Connery this, where he's like, sometimes, like... <laughs> oh, no, I didn't I didn't go for the Connery. No, but it's really, yeah, he takes her head and bangs it, like, like it's like a wrestling move, like, slams it against the wall where the drywall breaks, and she falls to the ground, and he's immediately like, oh, shit, maybe I shouldn't gotten have as mad about her turning off my UFC match. I can go downstairs into the living room like a normal person. Why is he watching this match in the bedroom? Yeah, like three in the afternoon or something. Was he like secretly jerking off until like she came in the room and he's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And he had to like rebutton his pants real quick. That's why he's mad. He's all like horny mad. I don't know. But so he gets locked out of the room, though, and he's rightfully couching it that night, which we do see there. They have a TV in the living room, like you said. Yeah, exactly. There, There's always a TV in the living room. Why would you sit in bed? I don't know. So he's couching it that night, he's sleeping there, and the blender randomly clicks clicks off, and he wakes him up from the couch, he gets out there, then the fridge opens, then the TV turns on, he sees someone watching it, turns the light on, but then the person's gone. I, After knowing the ending of this movie, Brett, what do you think's going on here, then? Do you think it's Gabriel, like, controlling the electronics? Or do you think it's Gabriel scampering around on the ceiling and moving around and everything? It's really weird, because knowing the end of this, like, at the very beginning, the first time, first and, like, second time I watched this, I was like, it seems like a ghost kind of thing. Exactly. It, I don't know if it's him manipulating, like you said, like, is it, like, TV static almost? Because it is very, like janky and like weird and scratchy like the figure it's not like a it's not like a solid figure you know yeah th that's why i thought i didn't and you know it was doing it well for like the haunting type stuff so i still thought i'd like it enough but it's not my typical favorite genre i'm like okay whatever so you need to watch this movie the whole way through don't give up on it by the way Oh, no. Yeah, this is going for me where you heard me at the very beginning being like, I could give a shit about James Wan's like previous work, like Saul, who gives a shit, Insidious, like all that, like Aquaman. OK, it's big hunk of hunk of, you know, like, <laughs> you know what? It's real quick side tangent ever. Almost like every time I go over to my parents house, mom will be like, I watched Aquaman again. I was like, I know why you're watching Aquaman, mom, and stop mentioning it. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing but so here's th another thing that makes me mad about this movie though we get a close-up camera shot of the inside of the blender brett when he turns it off mm -hmm. how many of these movies do we watch we know what that camera shot usually means they're setting up for a kill with a blender oh and did you notice the blender is from like the 70s 
I did. It's a very old blender. But it's oh, so you know what? I have a super old blender too. I think those things just last forever. It, uh, another really side, real quick side thing. I was at Goodwill the other day, and the lady in front of me was arguing with the cashier because the blender she was trying to buy was like had rust on it. So they gave it to her half off. I mean, well done. I've been like, but then put it back. It has rust on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she is one of that half off phrase. But yeah. you know what I mean? Why didn't we see a blender kill the way this camera shot went? Oh, yeah. Put a hand in that motherfucker. Yeah, that's what I thought we were getting. But that's all. He like turns around again and the shadowy thing slams his head into the wall, killing him. Madison, this part is another one that I have questions of. Because she walks downstairs and sees the body and is chased upstairs by the scary thing and knocked out. What the hell's going on here? This is like rewatching Fight Club once I know the ending. Well, yeah, I almost see it as like any of the Madison and Gabriel stuff where like she sees a weird thing. It has to be in her head because how many times is it where Gabriel's murdering and she's just like laying in bed? Oh, uh, okay. I was like that. how she's... Because I get to her seeing it thing, but the being chased by him like, how's this really working i guess it's just in her head like she's half yeah. there half not that's the only thing i could think okay wakes up in the hospital and we find out she lost the baby um by the way the whole police force was apparently at this house in the previous scene like for real this whole town's police force which is seattle they determined it was a home invasion for the time being the hospital they find out she lost the baby which is wild once you put together why she's had so many miscarriages that gabriel's like feeding on it oh yeah and that's another real quick thing about like this really nail home how like bullshit of a like boyfriend or husband it was he was like it's not my fault you keep having babies it's like he is it was some line like that it's like i'm not the reason you keep getting pregnant yeah yes you are you, you are the reason yeah, you keep having sex with me. <laughs> yeah, he was a piece of shit. No, no harm lost there. So her sister there, they've been estranged because the boyfriend like kept her away, like was over possessive and shit like that. But we learned that she lost the baby and that's pretty much it, right? For the hospital scene. Yeah, where she's like talking to the sister. Was well, this when the sister comes in and she's in the dress? No, that's the next scene. But yeah, okay. uh, because... The detectives show up, she's sleeping, she's in the dress because she's like a birthday party princess. And they ask her questions, and they're starting to think that Madison might have done it. The whole thing, like murder the boyfriend. Well, yeah, is this where they learn that like he, he was abusive and whatnot? Yeah, and they're yeah. like, well, there's motive. I right. do want to say, I like our detective ca characters in this. I like both of them. Yeah, they're actually not bad. Yeah, I'm really picky when it comes to detectives in my horror movies. Like, sometimes... I just don't want it when they play it too serious, like, too procedural. Like, Maniac Cop, like, okay, I, I'm on board. Some of them get too almost, like, let's solve the mystery for me. But I think these ones are fun enough that they don't bother me. Well, it's definitely not the cop from, like, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, where he's, like, every, he's getting 50 million calls that night. And every one, he's like, why are you prank phone calling me? Stop that. <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about that just a little bit ago, but it's... It still holds true every time we bring it up, yeah. and it's really a trope for, like, not this movie, but a lot of them like that. Oh, yeah. They think it's her, that's not the... Well, it is the case, I guess. Eh, I don't know how you'd actually put it, but back home, she looks outside at night, and she sees the blinking streetlight, sees the shadowy thing again, runs through the house, locking all the doors, 
and she gets to the back door and it's open. And here's what blows my mind. She closes it and locks it. If it's open, it's fucking already in the house. Yeah, and leave. Leave the house now. You have a car. Yes. You just go. Be gone. Once that happens, you just be happy he didn't see you walk into the door and get the fuck out. And this is also where we establish that Gabe, anytime Gabriel's around, like, every killer has their, like, signature thing. Like, usually it's music or something like that. Well, Gabriel, when he's around, the lights flicker. Yeah, that's true. That's really important and, like, a theme throughout the movie. And for say, even though it's, like, a high-definition television and they don't do this anymore when they error, there's, like, snow. Yeah. And there's snow on the cell phones. Yeah, it, like, it's pretty static. cool, actually. Yeah, which I don't think cell phones have that ability even to go staticky like that. If anything, they get glitchy, you know? No, I almost just write it off as, like, it's a weird supernatural, like, mental thing with Gabriel. But it is weird, and it, like, kind of sticks out. You're like, I haven't seen that happen since the 90s. <laughs> yeah. The next day, she boards up the house. I'm so thankful they waited for her to board up the house till the next day, because then me as an audience member can go, oh, she just didn't have a Home Depot's worth of lumber laying around. She went out and got this. Yeah, she didn't, like, lift up, like, a curtain from the, uh, under the countertop and was like, oh, look, 50 boards. Yes. And she installs a bunch of locks on all the doors and everything, deadbolts and whatnot. And her sister Sydney comes over and has to climb in the window because of the deadbolt. And Madison's talking to her and says that she was adopted at eight, but doesn't remember anything from before. Okay, so here's where we're like, there's a connection, not random. Well, yeah, it, it, the entire time you're like, okay, how does this weird thing and her, like, fit together? Was it, like, a weird brother and they killed it and now this is its spirit, maybe? You know, you're still questioning. Yeah, we still don't have our answers, but just given, hey, I have eight years of my life that I don't remember, I'm like, well, there's going to be some backstory here. Oh, yeah. And honestly, a little bit of backstory they probably could have cut. Some of it for sure. But you know what? One of my favorite parts in this movie is the tapes that Sydney goes through later. Well, yeah, I love that they're on VHS tapes now. Like, we've gotten to that point. It's not like files anymore. It's also VHS tapes. Yes. Of like, oh, this is ancient. <laughs> yeah, this old tech that we had to find a VCR for. You'd be set. You have like 10 VCRs in your room. Oh, yeah, and, like, five televisions. Exactly. <laughs> um, we cut to this underground Seattle tour. Is this a real thing? Oh, yeah, the town under Seattle. Yeah, that's real. Oh, I never knew about that. That's really cool. Yeah. So I think it would actually, just side note, be a fun tour to do. <laughs> yeah, no, I legit think that yeah. would be cool to see. Because Seattle would be cool to visit at some point. Oh, yeah. After the tour is over, the tour guide is there, like, closing up shop and everything. The lights start flickering. She hears a noise from the tunnel, yells, we're closed. Noise gets aggressively louder and, like, keeps coming towards her almost. And then the lights turn on and there's nothing there. Yeah, where it looks like it gets so loud that it's like, it's one foot in front of me. Yeah. I gotta ask you, too, because this movie uses some jump scares. Did any of them get you more in the theater? No, because I wasn't really paying that much attention. When I was in the theater, like I was kind of looking around. We were the only ones in the theater. So I like looked at my phone a little bit and then I put it away. I'd go to the bathroom. Like I kind of used it more of like, I definitely paid attention to like the last half an hour in the theater. Okay. <laughs> I won't say there was one jump scare. I remember like where there's this random little kid running, screaming that really got me. I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. 
the lights come on and the thing gets her and then scene cuts to this weird version of where is my mind by the pixies that plays throughout this movie but kind of fits perfectly and i don't know why yeah it's really weird but it's a cool remix and I'll, yeah. is this when um gabriel drops down from the ceiling and we get the very first little glimpse of the new him yeah because it cuts to the attic next which yeah i didn't know it was the attic but i, could, I knew it was an attic which I didn't think it was their attic either, because did you see that giant, like, I know attics have vents and, like, little fans. That one is, like, an industrial size fan in this, like, not large house. No, I've been to older, like, older houses, but not, like, old-timey houses that have stuff like that. That large? Yeah, that's not terribly not standard. It's a little big. Because that is one of the things, and, like, later on, especially, like, when Gabriel was, like, making his murder weapon, it just yeah. reminds me so much of Italian horror, of just, like, the over, like, over-dramatic set pieces and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. Where it's, like, the desk has to be in front of the slowly spinning fan, you know? <laughs> yeah. Gabriel's talking through the radio to this person that he has captive. I can't tell you how long I've waited for this, but first... Dr. Weaver. Yeah, and at this point, we're like, okay, why did he kidnap this random, like, tour guide lady? Yeah, I have no idea who this is or anything at this point. No. And then we cut to Dr. Weaver at her home, and she answers the phone, and Gabriel just says to the phone, it's time to cut out the cancer, and hangs up. Yeah, and at this point, she's doing the, like, because I think she's, like, British or something, so she's like, who is this? (laughs) Also... Look, I get that you think Gabriel's dead and everything, if you're this doctor, but how do you not remember the sound of the person who talked through electronics and the line you said right before killing him, it's time to cut out the cancer? How do you not make this connection of what this is? Yeah, how are you so oblivious? Yeah, I don't know. But um, it cuts back to Madison at home. She's doing some laundry, and the lights flicker and the radio goes all staticky. She walks down downstairs. This is where we have that random screaming kid jump scare I was talking about. Oh, is this also when we see the um, doctor's face just screaming in her, like, uh, dryer-like door? Yeah. She opens up her dryer door through it. You see the doctor yell, get out of my house. She's like, this is my house. Yeah, I love that line. She's like, this is my house. Like, she's indignant <laughs> about it. She's like, not that she's scared someone's in there. She's like, fuck you. I bought this place. It's like two dogs barking at each other. It's like, ruff, 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 ruff. <laughs> but so the house around her like transforms. It's clear she's being transported somewhere mentally. Like she's seeing it. And Gabriel kills the doctor with her excellence in surgery award. Yeah. Which is a really cool, like it makes for an awesome weapon. Oh yeah. Cause later on we get that scene of him like turning the trophy into this like brass knuckle style grip dagger and it's actually a really cool weapon i love it still says excellence on it yes it does just excellence be excellent uh, to each other that's when we yes (laughs) um that's when we get the great like yeah the making of the weapon scene where he's grinding it and like making a great edge on it and it's in front of he's like at a desk in front of the big fan and there's sparks going and then the music kicks in and the camera starts spinning and you see the lady tied up. You're like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, this gets super weird. The police find a picture when they're investigating the murder scene in, in medical books that look like Madison. But they haven't made that connection yet. But we, the audience, it's pretty clear who it is. 
Yeah, it's just when they're like, okay, take all these medical books. And they're like, are you going to go through all of these? He's like, yeah, that's my job. He says, no, we're going to go through all of these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Madison's talking to Sydney about the vision and that she saw it and everything. I saw this woman die because they have it on the news about her dying. Then we cut to this guy who worked with Dr. Weaver, one of the other doctors from the beginning, is on the phone and he goes to the window and he sees a bunch of wet footprints coming in from the window. This is the most stupid man in this movie. You see wet footprints coming in from your window and you're just like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, and the only thing he does is he just like grabs a towel to dry up the wet footprints that are going into his closet. Yeah, this is mind-boggling to me. It's, it appears the guy lives alone, it seems, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, I would say. So it's clearly not like someone he lives with it somehow sitting on the window, got wet and walked it. No, it's someone broke into your house. And he's just like, oh, how'd that happen? I almost see hit like that character is like Patrick Starr, if he was a person. He's like, <laughs> oh, where'd that water come from? Well, I better clean it up. That's all he does. He cleans it up and goes to bed. Because that night, Madison's laying down sleeping. She opens her eyes, and in bed with her, she sees that old guy, but it's clearly like she's being transported again. And the house changes, and she sees Gabriel, like, get onto the bed over top of him. And this is brutal. He stabs him in the face, like, 11 times, but real quick, like, jab stabs, but in the face, throat, all over like that. I gotta bring up again, this is another great little nod to Italian horror. That it's the black, it's the leather black glove killer that you don't know who it is. And they hyper-stylize, like, deaths, where it's all the blood and stuff. Like, it, a lot of this movie 100% reminds me of Deep Red. What do they call those movies? They have a name, like, Giallo or something yeah, like Giallo. that? Giallo, okay. Yeah, like that style of movie? Right. I've been seeing that term thrown around describing this a little bit. And it, uh, it's definitely, it doesn't have the 100% feeling of an Italian horror, but it definitely nods hardcore. Like, it nods so hard at neck, its neck cracks to Italian horror of, like, the black glove killer and the, like, black trench coat and the, like, elaborate set pieces, like, later on, like, with the uh, jail cell and then, like, the police station. I'm all for it, and it lines up enough for me that if you're, you're splitting hairs at that point, if you're like, well, does it or doesn't it? Like, yeah, it's close enough. Oh, yeah, where it's like, I see that, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, the fucking deep red, like, theme starts kicking in my head, where I'm like, I was like, fuck yeah. I've never seen it. Oh, we have to do it one day. Deep red is so good. It's just one of those blind spots for me, you know what I mean? Like, ones that you know you should have seen by now, but you never got around to. Yeah, it's really weird. That'll be a fun one one day. Oh, yeah. Um, And the back of her head, this is where I started noticing, always bleeds when she has visions. And they go to the police, which I know our thing is you never tell them the whole truth. But I guess, I don't know. I'd still say you don't do it. Yeah, I don't know how you would tell the police what or what's going on. It's like, okay. I can see I can see when the killings are going on and I know every detail about them. But I'm not the killer. Yeah, but also the police have to be like, if she was the killer, why is she telling us this? Well, she could also just be, like, insane. Yeah. And just be like, yeah, I did it, but I didn't do it. <laughs> so she says that she can see the murders, and she, to prove it, she takes cops to the next murder scene, which turns out to be 100% accurate. And... 
They go back to the station. Madison in the bathroom gets a phone call right as the lights flicker. And it's Gabriel and says, hello, Emily, which isn't her name. But it used to be, he says, he knew her before. And he says, they convinced you I was just in your head. And she keeps acting like she doesn't remember him. But then she screams, Gabriel, no. And like her hand clasps over her mouth like it all just jogged back into her mind at once. And then he's like, (laughs) (laughs) he does have the best over the top evil laugh, doesn't he? Oh yeah, it's great. So they go to their mom's house next and they ask if she had a brother and she says no. Then she goes, well, then who the hell's Gabriel? Clearly shocks her mom and they put in these like home VHS tapes of her birthday party and she starts talking to Gabriel. This gets really like child's play for me, like Andy talking to Chucky and stuff for me. And I think that's maybe why I like these moments so much in this movie. Yeah, I really like that, like these moments. And I also love where it's like everyone's parents at that age and during those times, that's when like video cameras became like really accessible. And everyone had like, my parents still have like Brett's birthday, 97 on a VHS tape somewhere, you know, so that's relatable, especially to like our generation. Yeah, everyone has, like, a tub under a bed somewhere full of VHS tapes that were home movies. Is this Christmas from 2002, or is this a porn? We don't know. We'll find out. (laughs) She's talking to Gabriel and everything, and that's wild. And you find out, like, she had trouble, like, Gabriel do bad things, make her think, make the parents think it was her and all this stuff. The detective is watching the doctor videos while this is going on, and... He finds the video journal about Madison, Emily at the time, and they figure out who the next victim will be because there's three doctors. Right. Yeah. It's And this is, uh, once again, to bring a basket case, it's very much like they're picking the doctors off one by one that, like, did Gabriel wrong. Yeah. Uh, speaking of basket case, look, that's awesome. I bet you they're getting so many views on that movie right now. Oh, I really hope so. I hope basket case, like, secretly takes off now. It's weird because I got onto like the my computer the other day and like that home news page. Yeah. I saw Basket Case pop up there. It's like other movies to watch if you like Malignant. I'm like, oh cool, good to no see way. them getting some love. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. What was that on? It was just like on all the random news stories that pop yeah. up on your home page. That's fucking awesome. See, it's working. Thank you, James Wan. <laughs> Brett's gonna go write a lovely review of Saw and Insidious now. Oh, I will. If you know what, since you got Basket Case on the like, they're like back into people talking about it. I'll go watch all the fucking Saw movies and your gore porn. <laughs> but so they find out who the next victim will be, and right then it's Madison later, and she has a vision of a guy in a bathtub. And but this time's different because she sees the detective right because he shows up when this is going on too, and she's trying to scream, "He's still in the house! He's still in the house!" Because the guy's already dead. Real quick, have we gotten past the birthday cake cutting scene? No, because that didn't happen yet, but we can talk okay. about it now. Oh, okay, I didn't know. I wanted to make sure not to miss that. No, we didn't get there yet. Okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure because I that's so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. She's going, he's behind, he's still in the house and everything. And then Gabriel jumps on the detective and there's this big fight. He jumps out the window. The detective escapes through a fire escape, chases after him. They end up in the Seattle underground. It's kind of like a giant wild parkour scene. Oh, this chase scene is amazing. And I love how, like, every once in a while, you'll catch a glimpse of, like, the, like, killer. And it's like, 
why is it running weird? It looks like it's running backwards. Yeah, I'm so mad that someone already made the meme that I couldn't wait to make the joke on here of Freddy got fingered backwards man the backwards man. He can go back faster, you can. Backwards man the backwards man. Backwards man the backwards man. I can walk back fast, you can. I can walk back fast, you can. The backwards man the backwards man. Yeah, I love that so much. <laughs> I'm, I'm so mad at other people. I thought I was original and creative, and then I was upset with myself. So that's going on, and... It nearly kills the detective. It does end up stabbing, like, in the face, right? Like, slashes in there. Well, like, uh, he they fight a little bit, and then, like, yeah, Gabriel gets away once again after, like, this detective is, like, one fuck of a cop. Like, he's impressive, where he's, like, running through, like, kick through walls. Like, he's running down fire escapes and, like, jumping off of them onto, like, a dumpster and, like, hurting himself, trying to go after this, like, perp, you know? Like, yeah. And then Gabriel, like like breaks away from him and does like three somersaults and then like backflips through a, a hole in the ceiling. And I love his reaction where he's just like, what the fuck? Like, I can't do that. <laughs> um, and then like he gets away. That's pretty much the end of it. Uh, the police talk to Madison and ask her to go talk to a hypnotherapist because they know that she's finding these things out somehow. And we get these weird flashback unlocked memories and she says Gabriel followed her to her new home. And this is where we get the weird birthday Ooh. cake scene. Okay, yeah. How did you is, take it? I was going to say, this is a scene that really stuck out to me. Because it was like, why did you... Madison's like, to Gabriel, like, why'd you make me do that? Like, I got in trouble. And then Gabriel's like, get your mom a piece of cake. She would really like some <laughs> cake. And so she goes to the fridge to get what she thinks is cake and is about to cut it. And it's this great scene where, like, she pulls out, like, the long knife, like, the butcher knife. And yeah, you're like, the Michael uh -oh. Myers knife. Yeah, exactly. You're like, uh-oh, something bad's going to happen. And then I love how it does, like, the, like, shadow dissolve once again to where, like, she's about to cut the cake. And Gary Burrell's like, do it. Cut the cake. Do it. Do it. And then it dissolved to, like, she's standing over her pregnant stepmother with the knife over her belly. And she's, like, eight months pregnant. It's, like, really showing, you know? Yeah. it's and, uh, Her sister Sydney was about to be born, and Gabriel didn't want another person coming to take her away. Yeah. And, like, as soon as, like, uh, Madison, like, kind of, like, snaps into, like, where she is, because Gabriel's like, do it! Like, super loud. And then, like, the stepmom wakes up and is like, what are you doing? And then Madison screams. Oh, yeah. And she starts screaming in real life, too. She's hysterical. And the therapist brings her back. And she says, Gabriel wanted me to kill the baby. And the one cop is like, so you're saying the killer is your imaginary friend? And right then, the this was the biggest twist to me. This was wild. Like, I did not see this coming. And I'm like, well done. That is perfectly executed because... The lady in the attic, while this is going on, is breaking free, you see? And she takes a step out and just falls through the attic floor into the room that they're in. So you she's know, been in the house the whole time. One of the most hilarious scenes where, like, she finally breaks through free. She's like, awesome. Now where to go? Let's go this way. And she takes one step and, like, does a, like, it's like an extreme, it's like Mick Foley falling from the hell in the cell, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right down she lands like right in front of them too it's great we get another... <laughs> she falls through a table it's through a table 
My God, he killed him. <laughs> um, then we get that pixie song kicking again, and Madison's arrested. Yeah, because she starts screaming once again. <laughs> well, what do you do if a body just fell through your floor, like your ceiling? Oh, come on. I have a different scream. <laughs> She's immediately like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, I picture more of an, oh, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck now? Like, I'm already dealing with this weird voice in my head and, like, these weird visions. Where did you come from? Squatter! <laughs> this That's was you! <laughs> that was me and Liz in the attic of Sydney's house. <laughs> so, the she's at the station being questioned, and the lights explode, and the detective's phone rings, and Gabriel says, You have my things, I want them back. Apparently, he is really attached to this hat and jacket and everything. Well, no, he has an awesome jacket, and he has his, like, black leather gloves, because he loves Italian horror, and he has this really cool, like, knife that says excellent on it. Yes. <laughs> and he says, ask her... That's where we get to ask her what she used to call me, the devil. And then Sydney, at this point, is going to the abandoned research hospital, where Madison slash... There's too many names. I'm like, Gabriel, Madison, Emily, all talking pretty much about the same person. Right. But she goes to the... Sydney goes to the abandoned research hospital. And did it bother you where she parked? Oh, yeah. Well, number one, the abandoned research hospital is, like, perched on a cliff over, like, the sea. And then she parks, like, one foot from the cliff's edge. Yes, like, to the point, like, the weight of that car is going to make that ground crumble. And you almost look at it being like, that's going to come up later. Which they set that up a couple times, and like I said with the blender earlier. I'm like, no, they don't. But they set it up to make you think, oh, something bad's going to happen. Also, this um, hospital closed down no later than 93. Why are there wheelchairs from the 1800s in the hallway? Like it's, I um, know. <laughs> what's that <laughs> asylum that was in uh, Staten Island? Where it's like Cropsy and shit. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know. Yeah, where uh, Willowbrook, where um, what's his name from Fox News made his break, where he like rushed in with the cameras and like you saw like people blowing themselves. I have no idea. They find the Madison tapes. She finds, and we get her backstory. She was raped at 15, gave the baby up, and at this point, I am wondering, like, why would they give the baby up to like a research hospital? That seems not usual. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, but it makes sense in a little bit. Yeah, it's like how, like, you know, Eleven and Stranger Things, where, like, she's, like, grew up in a hospital like that. It's almost along those same lines. I did get a lot of that, like, thinking about Eleven with this movie. Yeah. And is where we find out the tour guide who was tied up in the attic was Madison's birth mother. And the tape of Emily shows that her and Gabriel are connected. And when I mean it... Gabriel's growing out of the back of her head. This reveal was insane, and hats off. Oh, yeah, this is where this movie really earned a lot of its, like, stripes for me, like, here on out. Because the reveal is, like, it's, like, screaming, and its arms are flailing, and it's, like, going insane. Yeah, they say he's a living tumor-slash-parasitic twin, and this is important because I just noticed I changed pages in my notes. At this point... There have been six kills in this movie. Okay. I just want you to remember that when you see how many we end up with, so you know how many are in the last third of this oh. movie. Oh, yes. We have Madison in the holding cell, like the general, just everybody's in it. And this shit gets weird because Gabriel then just 
breaks out of her skull after the reveal, and then it shows her in real time, like, her skull kind of lifts, like there's a trap door, and he breaks out, you see the eye show up there and everything, and then it's go time for all these people who are picking on her in the jail and everything. Yeah, this is where it became like, Tommy Wiseau is coming out the back of her head, and he's extremely mad the room didn't do better. It does kind of have that Wiseau, like, long, scraggly black hair look, doesn't it? I say, uh, oh, hi, hooker. (laughs) And she starts fighting everyone in there brutally, too, and kills them all. Everybody in there grabs the guard, bashes his head off of the bars on the cell over and over, and grabs his keys, and Gabriel is out. Yeah, which uh, I got to mention a couple of these people that were in the jail cell. I love, like, 70s Afro lady that's there for no reason. Like, did she come from a Halloween party? Yeah, she looks like uh, Beyonce's character in the one Austin Powers movie. Yeah, exactly. And um, there is a Quentin Tarantino uh, stunt double in there. The one lady, uh, she was in Death Proof. Oh, no shit. Okay. Yeah, she. I'm pretty sure, I'm 90% sure she used to be Uma Thurman's stunt double. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But she kills them all in the garden escapes. Well, I don't know who I'm saying kills them. Gabriel kills them all. I guess that's right. Sydney calls the detective, tells him about Gabriel. We got to get to her, her birth mother. And then Gabriel breaks into evidence, gets all of his stuff. Gets his gloves, his trench coat, his excellent award. Yeah, he's like, I'm a very good boy. Yes, ah, excellence. And then goes into the cop's bullpen area and kills almost all of them. And this is like five minutes of fight. And it's he's just snapping arms and like stabbing, like having people shoot themselves and going wild. And apparently knows Kung Fu now almost, but it's it's wild. I love this scene. Oh, yeah, I love, like, Gabriel, like, cuts the one cop's arm off and then, like, throws it at another cop and it hits him in the head. It's just insane. Like, some of these kills I want to go back and, like, watch in slow-mo. But there's so many of them, too. And the our main two cops, the one does get slashed. Not the guy, but the girl does, like, right across the gut. Right. And so he gets out of there, and the only people who to survive this entire ideal are ideal are the two detectives and the forensic girl who has a crush on the one detective oh yeah and you do uh do you know who that forensic girl is who uh that is james wan's wife oh cool she was good in this i she made me laugh every time she'd come on they got married in 2020 which i there is the one scene where like they're talking she's talking to someone and they walk away and she just like blankly stares at the wall for like a second and you're like that's a weird cut well, it's because I think she's supposed to have a thing for that detective the whole time. And she was always awkward. But he, you would think she would, like, do a little smile. No, she, her face goes blank, and she's just, like, in, like, processing mode. <laughs> but uh, Sydney's at the hospital, and then Gabriel just explodes the room guard's pacemaker trying to get in after her. Because he stands up to not let him in because it's a police investigation. And... His weird electronics control literally has this guy's heart just explode in his chest. Yeah, which is really fucked up. And I count this as body horror because that's part of his body now. That's his pacemaker keeping him alive where he's like, oh, it's burning. And then it's just like so fucked up that he can do that. Well, 
that's not even the most body horror thing in this movie. I'd say oh, Gabriel's no. existence is the biggest body horror thing in this movie. Oh, 100%. Even the, yeah, even the fact of, like, how Gabriel exists, like you said before, we touched on it, but she peels, like, her, the back of her skull open, and then the bone opens up, and he's literally the brain. Yeah, it's, it's gross. I love, I love that, though. I thought that was such, like, a cool monster villain creature thing. And there's, like, his weird little, like, eye, which every time it blinks, it's like, it, like, makes a noise. (laughs) Yeah. And now in the room, the mom wakes up when he's about to kill Sydney, and she hears her say Gabriel. She's like, Gabriel, please forgive me. And the detective shows up, shoots Madison slash Gabriel. Because Madison's almost coming back at this point. You see her, like, coming in and out. Yeah, she's start, She's becoming a little bit more strong throughout this, where, like, at first she was taken over completely, and then she started to be able to see it. And now she's starting to come out of it a little bit. Yeah, I think as when Sydney says that he caused her miscarriages, she really starts fighting and almost getting out then. Oh, yeah, because at the very beginning, she's just like, she's like, oh, little dumplings, like, give me a little bit of issue. Like, she seems like she really wants a kid. Yeah, 100%. The detective does get the excellence dagger thrown at him, and he's pretty much down for the count during this whole part. Gabriel shoots Sydney and smothers the mother. And I'm like, oh, holy shit, they went there. Entire main cast is dead. But then Madison does his own mind trick on him, we realized. And Sydney and the mother are both still alive. That when she almost came back, she actually did come back. What a twist. Is this where, um, is this the end? This is just about there. Because remember, he does kill the sister and the mom. And then he realizes... They're both still alive, and now he's, like, the passenger to Madison instead of the other way around. And this is where, like, he's in the jail cell, right? Yep, then it cuts to Okay, cool. Where I love this scene where, you know what it really reminded me of? What? You will never retrieve the Necronomicon! Like, yeah, like the evil Ash versus Ash of Army of Darkness. Where, yeah, like you were saying, like, the very over-the-top shit. (laughs) Yeah, it's really cool, and... I want to hate this scene, but I'm like, you know what? Here's why it works. Because like I said earlier, sequels, baby. This is where I'm like, oh, they're definitely sequel in this thing. Because literally all she did was put him in the mind and like, I'll get out. I know, but I'll be ready next time. Like, oh, we're definitely getting a malignant too. Oh, yeah. And it's so cool. Like, yeah, the dialogue between those two and her just shutting the jail cell, which I mean, I'm going to count Madison now as a fucking badass, like, horror like person where it's just like yeah fuck yeah don't fuck with madison michelle you know yeah i'm did it feel a little nightmare on elm street like the just stand up to them and lock them away kind of ending to you do you know what it reminded me a lot of is dr sleep oh okay where he's like you know in that where they're locking them like the weird like the bad ghosts away in like boxes yeah she locked uh the bad malignant tumor into a jail cell Oh, that is true. That works pretty well, too. And then, so she wakes up. She's locked him away. She realizes she's had this strength in her the whole time, so she lifts the hospital table off of Sydney. This is made to seem like a feat of superhuman strength. Now, Brett, I used to make these tables. Okay. That was one of my jobs. I'd make the metal and bend it and attach it for these things. Right. They're heavy. They're not, though, where I'm like, oh, my God, she's a superhuman for lifting them. I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. She could lift it. 
that it definitely plays to the general public because I went that bed must weigh a thousand pounds. No, it, it doesn't. No, I mean they're heavy, but no, you could lift it. Especially if you're like panicking, I need this thing up. You would definitely lift it. I don't know if I could. No, you definitely could. Greg, I'm a professional podcaster. That's true. I, I sit and talk for a living. <laughs> but so she locked him in the mental prison. She saves her sister. They hug it out. The mom's smiling, looking at them like she sees her daughter all grown up now. But then the light buzzes and credits. Yeah, I love there's that little bit left of the, the yeah, the light does a little flicker, then it credits, and you're like, yeah, there's good, I hope there's a sequel. Yeah, now, I th- I heard a lot of buzz about this movie, a lot of people seem like they're talking about it. Oh yeah, I heard a lot about this even before, like, immediately as soon as it was released, everyone was talking about it, and I was like, oh, I need to see this movie. Now, I want to say I'm super thankful the only people I talked to about this movie before was you and my good friend Jesse. And Jesse just told me, no, you need to watch it. It's all over the place and wild. And that was it. And then you said, oh, yeah, that, that movie's coming out soon. And that was it. I saw a trailer once in the theaters for something, and I had forgotten that I saw the trailer to the point that I thought Winona Ryder was in this movie, like <laughs> the main character. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's not her. I'm like, for because I just had a brief memory of the trailer, and for some reason I thought that was her. And so I knew nothing about this movie. And so the crazy twist and everything came out of nowhere to me, and I'm so happy about this completely unspoiled. Oh, yeah, me too, because even the trailer, if I just went off of, like, the trailer itself and not the buzz that surrounded it, I would have been like, I don't want to see this kind of movie. Yeah, it definitely, it's probably one we also would have skipped out on, and maybe that means we should be watching more stuff, which I think we're starting to, but, like, because I'm so glad I got to see this. Oh, yeah, so am I, because this is one I could have easily passed over, but I'm so glad I got to watch it, because I just want to watch it again now. Yeah. So, uh, let's get in the count of the dead. This is a doozy, Brett. You have so, to do the one count of the dead, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, for every death. <laughs> we will be here for a very long time. So, for <laughs> those who don't know, if you're new, the Throbbing Horror Count of the Dead is where we tally all the deads, the deaths in the movie, and we add them to all the deaths in the previous movies to get a nice big number. Now, last episode, we did Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, which left us at a count of the dead of 553. Where do you think Malignant brought us? Oh, fuck. I have no idea. Because, like you said, for most of the movie, like you said, we were up to six. And then the jail cell scene happens and the police scene happens. So, God. I'm going to say 36. 36? Yeah. No, 37. I'm saying 37 in a row. 37 in a row. Well, Brett, that is incorrect. Fuck. The actual body count to this movie was 41. Damn. Which I do believe is a record for Throbbing with Horror. I'm not positive. I do want to go back and check that. But I'm pretty sure that's our record now. Which brings our count of the dead to 594. Holy shit, we're already close to 600. Yeah, we are extremely close to 600 already. Oh god, how much do you want to bet we pla- we pass 700 by the time October's over? There's a good chance, because October's pretty damn busy. Yeah, I can't, I'm excited. Yes. So, um, every week Greg does his count of the dead, ah, ah, ah. And I like to do my rating system, but I don't like to do stars, because that's so hacky. 
other than when Joe Bob does it, that's sacred. And yes. fuck Cisco and Ebert. That's my fuck you for uh, the episode. Yes. I like to do something from the movie 1 through 10. 1 being the worst, 10 being the best. And I don't come up with that thing until right now. And there's so many great things in this. I'm almost going... I'm going to say excellent daggers. Okay. So, one excellent dagger, it's like a cheap plastic one that, like, breaks immediately when you try to stab someone. Like, it doesn't do the job well at all. Yes. Ten excellence daggers. I have to give it to actually probably this one because it's so cool looking. And it's well, like. I will say, this is the coolest excellence dagger that I've ever seen. And it, like, chops people's arms off. It's super sharp. Yeah, it doesn't get stuck. It stabbed that guy in the face like ten times, came right out, right in each time. No getting caught up on bone fragments or anything. No, yeah, it's not getting stuck in that skull. I'm going to give this movie seven excellent staggers out of ten. It's honestly, I liked it a lot more than I expected to like it. I liked it a lot more the second time I watched it. And I feel like this is going to be another one I watch before this Halloween season is over. And it's going to kind of make its way into that rotation, hopefully. Yeah, I don't think this will be the last time I'll watch this movie. I don't know if I'll watch it again soon, but I bet you this one ends up on my radar here and there. Like, this will probably be a repeat watch when it's on or something. And I gave this a 7.5 out of 10 daggers. Okay, uh, nice. Excellent daggers. So we're pretty much right in that same ballpark. So everything you said, same goes for me pretty much. Yeah. It was a fun movie, and you definitely don't leave it, especially with that ending. And you're like, oh, I hope there are sequels. Like, it leaves you on such a high note. Yeah. Well, real quick, too, uh, if with the um, October season, I would like to do, I'm trying to do this new segment where it's Throbbing with Horrors Offering to Sam. And that's Sam from Trick or Treat, or it could also be uh, meant as Sam Hain, which is what uh, Halloween was originally called, I believe. Ah, uh, not exactly. You're close, though. Kind of. It's a Halloween thing. I kind yes, of know. It's a dancing band. Yeah. So I have two quite quick questions for you, Greg. Okay. Um, Number one, did you trick or treat as a kid? Oh, yeah. Come on, dude. All the time. Well, I didn't know because I know, like, uh... Like your area, there's not a whole lot of houses. So did you have to go into town or was it the neighbors? I, I, would, go, I would go into town. I, I wouldn't just walk right from my house. Okay. Because that's the only, when I came up with that question, I was like, okay, that's almost an easy one. But I kind of knew where you grew up. So I didn't know if you did it from house to house, like your neighbors, or did you drive into town? I would drive into town and park the car. And then like okay. we wouldn't drive from house to house or anything. Okay, so you weren't, I have seen those, like, trick-or-treaters, like, in my neighborhood, like, recently, like, the last couple years, where, um, they get out, the trick-or-treaters get out of the parents' car, they go up to the house, they get right back in the car, they drive to the next house, get out, they don't walk. Yeah, I've seen those ones, too, my whole life, I've seen those, they're always yeah. there. No, I was always a walker, and you know I don't like walking a whole lot, Greg. <laughs> But um, growing up, I grew up in a very small town in West Virginia, which I cannot say many good things about West Virginia. But one thing I can say about this small town's Halloween is they did it right. It was like old school. I got to walk from house to house. Like I left my porch and just walked the entire like town. It was like super small, like the town itself. But everyone handed out candy. 
everyone went like super elaborate with like their uh uh decorations and whatnot and like some of them were definitely better than others but like everyone definitely tried you know yeah and uh real quick i remember well this leads into my um second question for you what was your favorite costume as a kid oh fuck you know that's a really good one i've had a lot that i'm really proud of and that were fun and everything I can't even say this is my favorite, but one that stands out to me. I remember I did Gene Simmons from Kiss one time, and like I even made like tr- got like old like motocross like chest protector thing spray painted. I had like spikes onto the shoulder so I could have like the full on thing. Had a wig for the longer hair with the top knot ponytail and painted the face and everything. That was really cool. Like had the blood capsule. Oh man, yeah, fuck! I wish I would have gone first. Oh, what was yours? Mine, well, I have a couple, like you said, like, not that, like, I can really narrow it down to one specific costume, but the one that really stood out to me is when I went as Gene Simmons one year, and <laughs> um, Mom got me, like, a medieval knight costume, kind of, and we used, like, the um chest plate from that and a couple of, like, the arm things and, like, leg things, and then I had this, like, necklace of crosses that were, like, silver, and... Um, I had like the blood, the awesome makeup. I had the cool wig, you know, with like the ponytail that's coming out the front of your head for some reason. Yeah, the top knot one. Yeah. And I went up to one of the very first houses I went up to was this very religious woman. And I walk up to her and I'm like, trick or treat. And she just shakes her head and then she goes, at least you have crosses on. <laughs> I, I by the way listen, i promise on everything that was not planned i don't know what he does for the halloween segment and i never knew you were gene simmons so that's awesome yeah well real quick a real quick uh uh what do you want to say like uh, another one that stood out to me since we both did gene simmons was i was the headless horseman one year where mom blew up balloons and put them on my shoulders where like my head was sticking out like i was looking out of like what would be the headless horseman's chest yeah, and she rigged up this um pumpkin that would like. This wasn't back like back in the day. It wasn't like super easy to find a pumpkin that would like work off of batteries all the time. Like especially a cool one. So she like rigged up this thing where like it was running off this battery that she kind of like made. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, where because I was like, well, it has to have a glowing pumpkin, and my mom was always very indulgent and was like okay, I can make you a glowing pumpkin somehow that is also up to your standards. <laughs> yeah, both of those are good. I have, I obviously approve of the Gene Simmons one, and I I like this Headless Horseman. Which I believe I used a couple of the accessories off of the Gene Simmons costume for the Headless Horseman. Like, I think it was the same chest plate. That makes sense. Yeah, because Mom was always a very much one where she made the costumes, she wouldn't like go out and buy a costume. She was like, "Oh no, I want to make it." It depends. I would, sometimes would go buy them, but typically I'd make them, or like I'd bu- I'd buy the mask and make a costume around it and stuff right. like that. Yeah, because like one year I was a uh, Jason Voorhees, but the mask was way too big for me, and my dad was Michael Myers, so we switched masks like halfway yeah. through trick or treating. But yeah, that's just um that's our little offering to Sam and Sam Hain for this episode. Yep. And we are rolling through October. You ready to hear what we got for our next episode? Yes, I cannot wait, because it's only days away. Yes, it is, because you only have one day to wait if you're listening to this on release day. Next episode is going to be Hereditary. Yes, and I cannot wait for Hereditary. 
this is a movie that I first saw when me and my wife just started dating. So it's very special for me in that sense. And it was one of the very first horror movies I remember being like, oh, that's something new. This is one of the first horror movies that legitimately scared me in a long time. And I can't compliment it enough about that. And we have a special guest joining us next week who we have talked about on the podcast. I realized, oh, he's never actually been on the podcast. So it's good now people will get these references. Yeah, I cannot wait for. Are we saying who's going to be on, or we, uh, we can uh, say our good friend Brandon Keita will be on, so that'll be yeah. a good time. He has a podcast which just booted back up called Theater to Feeder, so it'll be a good time. Make sure you come listen to that. Yeah, I definitely can't wait because Brandon definitely has some interesting opinions on movies that go against a lot of other people's, and I love like him arguing movies with people. Yeah, so it'll be a good time for sure. Make sure you guys come back for that in like a day. Exactly. And also just make sure to follow us on all of our social medias. I forgot to do that the last couple episodes, I think. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, just basically search Throbbing with Horror on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And I'm just trying to like, you know, stay up to date with like posting different Halloween pictures, different decorations, what we're up to with this season and whatnot. So stay up to date there. Yeah. I just uh by the time this comes out, it was a couple weeks ago, but I was went by a uh, Christmas shop, a 20, like a 365 a day Christmas shop, and they were going out of business. So I pulled over and flipped them off. <laughs> I got a picture of that. I, I did see that. Uh, make sure you guys also leave us a five star review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. It really helps out the show. That's not an exaggeration. I know that some of you do that, and it does help us. No joke, we can see like the audience grow like with every new one of those that comes in. So if you do that, it helps us a lot. Yes, thank you so much. And that's all I got. Yeah, and I'm, I don't know any other movie that's more um, fitting to say, we hope this movie has left your brain throbbing with horror. <laughs>